0: I just realized after listening to a few more podcasts in the podcast sphere, I haven't really been fully introducing my podcast very well. So I'm gonna try and keep doing better and better. <laughs> so today I have one of my good friends here, Amanda Boo. Hello. Amanda is one of my good friends that I met during architecture school. So would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Amanda. I recently
1: just graduated from architecture school. So I'm a year behind Kim in terms of life
0: (laughs) no i wouldn't say that you
1: have more life experiences than me in my opinion Mm. (laughs) i guess it depends on what type of life experiences you're talking about
0: oh okay well to simply put amanda you took a gap year or did you do uni part-time I did both
1: so after bachelors I took a gap year Mm. and I traveled a little bit and I worked a little bit Then I did part-time masters so I could work along the side.
0: I guess from our meeting today the reason why I have you here is that one of the conversations we had at uni we were discussing about the nature of criticism which is something quite prevalent in our field Mm -hmm. and ultimately unavoidable (laughs) as well. I think it's just the way we perceive architecture criticism or constructive criticism in general is quite a huge thing to navigate and get used to. Should we just give a quick anecdote of how we arrived at this conversation (laughs) yeah sure we could do that
1: this conversation started when i was guest recruiting for one of our tutors at uni it was with the foundation year students which is basically the first
0: year of a three-year master's course so the master's course is essentially an invitation for those who are interested in architecture however don't have the foundations from the bachelor of architecture hence it is three years from what i've seen so far because I've been away for quite some time last year. As some of you would know, I was overseas working for a bit. But what I do know is some of the things that they've learned throughout the year was very similar to first-year projects, except it's amped up, or as I would like to call it, on steroids.
1: Yeah, it's extremely intensive.
0: And having looking at those projects, do you think what they're learning is a really effective way in terms of just bring them up to speed of what we're doing
1: i think in a way it is mainly because they are older and people like who just start a bachelor's degree mm. they probably range from about 25 to i would say 35 mm. yeah so there are there's quite a right like a wide range different ages mm. and because of that they've got a lot more life experience which helps them as well as their like previous bachelor's degree it helps them sort of understand and get into the process of a master's degree a lot Mm. more maturely so it sort of gives them that maturity level that we didn't have because of that i think the intensity of it even though it was really hard it's easier for them to grasp than it would be for us who sort Uh. of had to build up yeah i don't know because like some from what i've heard in other faculties and degrees yeah this is kind of diverging a little bit but yeah from what i've heard like a lot of the master's program is actually recommended that you Take a break for a couple years before you go into it from Mm -hmm. your bachelor's.
0: It's a bit of a hit and miss when it comes to for us in bachelors Mm -hmm. and jumping to masters. I think it just comes down to whether you're confident enough that you can take on masters, Mm -hmm. or you feel that you understand that after three years of architecture, it is quite a lot. Because by third year, all of us were burnt out. Oh yeah, 100%. I had days where I didn't want to get out of bed because I just really hated going to uni for Mm. a little bit. And it was probably because I never had a proper break. You were one of the few who knew I went overseas for one of the electives, right? So coming back and not being able to recuperate as much as I would have liked, it added an extra layer of just heaviness to carry throughout uni but having said i think it's also because some people also felt that they do need that year out of just finding themselves finding ground if not getting work experience which i don't know if i made the right choice in continuing straight but back then i had other goals that i wanted to achieve so that's why i went straight on to masters mm. so having said <laughs> we kind of went on a tangent here <laughs> that's so, a so topic. yes You were saying that in terms of the maturity of just understanding the terms, I feel like sometimes it's not just the maturity or it's also about whether it's the openness and the willingness of being able to accept the language of architecture. Yeah. Because I think one of the hardest things to understand what architecture is, is understanding our language as well. Yeah. As both of us truly <laughs> know, <laughs> that architecture is a very obscure. I would say it's almost foreign, if you're not if you don't have an open mind to it as well. Yeah, there's so much jargon that we
1: use mm. and like twisting of normal day language that, if you're not in it deep, then you <laughs> cannot understand it.
0: Yeah, it's true. Going back to the openness, it's whether you're willing to take the type of feedback that you're getting as well, yeah. and I think. That's the hardest part yeah. of you know, accepting it.
1: I reckon it's like a shift in mentality mm. that is needed, not mm. just like trying it for the sake of trying it. It's not an easy degree, it's not an easy profession, mm. and a lot of judgment comes into play as well. Just it being just generally in like a creative degree.
0: yeah. It's so true because in the recent years there's been, they're starting to have a few more uproars and I think eye rolls for mm-hmm. our, our field especially because you know there's there are increasing number of lifestyle shows that mm-hmm. shows people doing renovations without those qualifications and mm-hmm. all. You know what I'm going with this, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to dismiss those people because they're insanely talented and good on mm-hmm. them for being hands-on but because of that, excess amount of shows that we're getting it's really one way of saying if they can do it then why should i hire a professional at times at least that's how i feel sometimes when i'm watching those shows not saying that i don't learn anything because sometimes it's helpful considering that i need to learn how to do the genres and details Mm -hmm. but it doesn't help that that air of arrogance that they carry sometimes or that air of confidence that just makes me feel a little bit condescending to myself. Yeah.
1: Sometimes. It makes a lot of people, yeah, undermine what architecture is about mm. and and they think that, you know, we're just there to build it the way they want it and mm. like to sort of make their dream come to life. Mm. Which we are there to do, but it's also, mm. you know, you're coming to us because you like our design as well. Yeah. And we don't do things room by room as shown in those T V shows. We sort of design so that it's it's almost like a lifestyle change like you know it
0: is there is a system that runs to the way we design our yeah. process which i think should be stressed out upon yeah. and i do know that because there are some confidentiality reasons that we can't explain it but i think that sometimes it is good to put out that it takes time writing a contract takes time mm-hmm. design all the plans takes time and then that's why it's like understanding that feedback And that conversation is also an act of criticism. Yeah, Because what I think from our discussion about Mm -hmm. one of the people you ran into. Yes. Or like the story that we were going on about, which we'll see if we will broadcast (laughs) it later. Uh, And it's looking at understanding that criticism itself is not a negative term. However, because... It is often used in the media. It's always depicted as critics say or the critics give a negative review or has been criticized.
1: Even in high school, in primary yeah. school, you know, you know, take on constructive criticism well, you know. It's still in a negative light.
0: Yeah, it's the stigma that's been attached to mm-hmm. criticism, which a lot of us find it really hard to take. One of the biggest things that hit me with the word criticism was I remember on my very old Debian Up. Art account <laughs> I said something along the lines of this is my artwork and just please learn to appreciate it without having to make comments about things and then I remember the very next day a commenter was like I just, I know they say ignorance of bliss, but I just really can't stand people like you. It was this <laughs> huge, long, <laughs> massive rant on my page. I'm um, just exaggerating here, but it was a <laughs> few sentences saying that, oh, you just can't take criticisms and such, etc., etc. Because I completely forgot about this event until today because mm-hmm. we were, I was looking at the word criticism and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if I should agree with that person anymore or should I just think that that person was a little bit inconsiderate to write something so publicly on it but then it comes down to does that mean i am not taking criticism from that person as well it's a it's a double-edged sword if you look at it so i've hidden that comment because (laughs) i was a little bit traumatized can i just use the excuse that i was in year eight and i didn't really want to wake up to reading that yeah it's also like the internet like everyone just
1: hides behind a veil of anonymity
0: yeah yeah and it's it's sad because internet is at such a huge dispersal now back then it was slightly kinder yeah. it's now blown up really uh, badly it's
1: it's taken criticism to a next level it's they're just internet trolls at yeah. this point but <laughs> <I know. laughs> do you call it criticism do you call it just people hating on others because they just disagree with their
0: lifestyle Yeah, and I think the other thing about criticism is that my God, this it does really sound negative. The more I'm saying, (laughs) (laughs) this is so bad. Is there another way to replace criticism right now? So it's just that how do we make people understand criticism isn't a bad thing, and then how do we become good people who give good feedback? It's a hard one. Yeah, I mean, or do we just get rid of the word feed? Like, sorry, just get
1: rid of the word criticism. Just call it feedback. (laughs)
0: But then, are we trying to soften things? Then it just shows that we have kind of melded into that nanny state situation. Yeah. Because that's a stereotype of where we are from, is that we are known for living in a nanny state. Everything is PC. I know, but you can't um. do that. Okay, and then there's the other thing about taking criticism is, is that I just don't want people to think that in this life, you're going to meet people who on some days have good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. And even though it shouldn't be an excuse, how they're feeling can also affect their tone of voice. Oh yeah. And that's something that's really hard to shift away from as well. Depending on p- different people's upbringing. Yeah. As well, because I've lived in a place where negative feedback or just being really harsh, and I I think gaslighting is probably the best time to say it like Mm. you do get gaslighted a lot yeah and then coming here and then all you get is praise and then that everything's going to be okay and softening to have the extreme of two sides and finding the balance in the middle it's not the easiest
1: yeah
0: i don't know what your experience on criticism is
1: i don't know i guess because like i've grown up here in melbourne all my life like Mm. i've never really experienced that extreme harshness about Mm. it because there was always that whole constructive criticism mm. isn't actually mm. bad like you know and it's so. also everything softened It like everything is sort of covered everything is just there's a veil of niceness behind everything um then going into architecture school mm-hmm. and going back to our initial <laughs> <laughs> reasoning mm-hmm. <laughs> for this conversation i found that criticism like short for something right criticism or yeah some it is critique. critique yeah which is a form of getting criticism (laughs) (laughs) you know we'll put through that for five to six years we've built up more of a backbone and i guess it's in a different light like seeing that word in a different light as well so having the foundation students come and having to like you know experience critiques for the first time it's not the easiest thing and a lot of people you know it's it's difficult for someone who's you know 25 to 30 to receive like an insane amount of criticism within the three to six months that like a semester is yeah so sometimes
0: they don't take it in the best light yeah one thing people find it hard to realize that it's not necessarily criticism Mm. it's really about making conversation about your project Mm -hmm. and it takes a long time for people to think that because when I went into architecture school, one of my biggest fears is that it's a design school, so it's going to be very subjective and you're yeah. going to be having a lot of people who can either back you up or just completely reject you. Yeah. And I was very nervous about how am I going to take criticism because I do get stressed very easily mm-hmm. back then. Still do to mm-hmm. this day. But the way I respond was more of the physicality thing. So I remember even getting my first warning letter which was sent by accident. <laughs> I was never meant to have that. Mm-hmm. I didn't react to it very well. My first hour was fine. I was probably in shock and thinking, okay, how am I going to redo this? Yeah. Just need sent all the emails out and such. But then by the evening on the day I have received it, my body was just not taking it yeah. too well. So a lot of different reactions that people need to be prepared for. And on the other hand, it's also not just criticism, but how do you take... Not take everything so seriously. Yeah. Because I think when you're a newbie in uni, it's like going into year seven, you're at the bottom. You have to start learning and it's putting all that pride aside. Mm-hmm. So do we want to impress everybody, make everybody like us. I really envy those who actually just walk into uni and just say, I don't care what everybody thinks of me. I'm just going to do my best. And it's hard yeah. to have that attitude.
1: But then you, you've also got those who have that attitude, but yeah. then...
0: Reject criticism everything do you have a good point
1: yeah you know this conversation started because of that session that crit session that i went to there was a girl one of the girls there she i think she previously studied law Mm. which i understand why she might be a bit combative because it was her first year and a foundation year of masters she didn't take criticism lightly and because of that instead of accepting it or acknowledging it she Mm. just rejected without good reasoning which is kind of interesting because like like we said like you know, architecture school and the way the way criticism and crits are taken, it is a change and a shift in mentality, lifestyle, yeah. all of this. So having someone like that would actually be, mm, yeah. What do you think?
0: I I think it's also because. I think I would probably have a little bit of her mentality probably mm-hmm. by the time I'm in third year. Yeah. Because after three years of studying, I would feel a little bit more confident. Not to mention a little bit cocky, which <laughs> we both know how much I hate. <laughs> there were days where I just like I don't think I should listen to somebody, but then there were days where I'll be like, oh, I should probably take people's advice into consideration. Yeah. And I think it's also she was trying to find an identity for herself. Yeah. So I think that's something that she's struggling to grapple. From the way you're saying it. Also, because I wasn't there, I don't know what her type of tone of voice is when she was taking rejection, like taking the criticism. Like, I think it's language that she struggled with. And I'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. She might be having a bad day. Or she is embarrassed that she's still not understanding the language. Back in first year, when I first looked at the project, I am known to take things very literally. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking for help, I'll just be very defensive where I said, oh, I just ran out of card. That's why my model doesn't look the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Or I just ran out of material, which I know the <laughs> excuses. But I think that's probably the position she was in. That's why she was being a little bit difficult in terms yeah. of receiving feet. For us, anybody in design really like when you've studied so long you just start thinking as i'm just here to get a reaction out of people yeah and i think that's another way we can see it is that we just want to get a reaction out of different people and just understand what their reaction to our design is
1: yeah that's actually kind of a good way to put it because Mm.
0: you're not at the end of the day you're there
1: to figure out you know how to better your design mm. and seeing what people say about it is well, the best way to get a feedback because <laughs> it's getting a response out of something that you know you want to so like having worked for a bit you know you see meetings with clients and you know technically if you think about it that's a cr- they're giving their feedback on your design because they want a better house out of it. at the end of the day they're paying for it yeah of course also they're trying to make their dream come to life through our design. And through our assistance. And as through our well. assistance, yes. Yeah, so the way that you can think about client meetings is mm. also a form of criticism or a form of crit where they say they don't like this, why is this like this? Mm. Why are you doing this weird shape that i don't understand
0: yeah you know, it's just, a bit of a reality check if we look at criticism hmm. and the way we're taking about it but then there is also responsibility in those who are giving the feedback in our last session with vince he did make an excellent point in saying there's the good feedback as well as bad feedback that oh, is yeah. you don't give them directions and i've seen that happen before mm-hmm. and i think of all the feedback that i've seen the types that doesn't give, that don't give you a direction mm-hmm. Only one of my friends have actually asked, you have to help me here. What do you mean by it's not working? Yeah,
1: you have to work with the person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, beyond our sight, I think listening is probably the second thing that we rely on the most. Mm-hmm. It is important. How you present your words, how you shape your words, plays a huge role in the way we perceive, like, understand where we want to improve.
1: Yeah, I don't know why, I just, like, it came to me. I've noticed that last year, or mm-hmm. last semester, there's been an increase of people recording their crits and feedback compared to just writing it mm-hmm. as note, And I found that really interesting because then you get to listen over the feedback to filter out you know what's actually helpful and what's not and it kind of made me wonder if we did this in like you know an office situation should the client be okay with it
0: you do have to ask for permission yeah. because when i did it for my master's project mm. when i recorded my tutors asked me just warned me that you best you should ask the Chris for permission and i did mm. which is completely fine because you can never take your words back oh yeah that's yeah. one of the hardest things even if you typed it because by the time you've typed it down deleted it you knew you typed it down you yeah knew you spoke about it yeah as well. so <laughs> it's, it's a really tricky situation even yeah. now that we're recording it's like the amount of things that we said we have to we still need to be aware of what we're saying yeah. as well and if you're saying it in a public
1: situation like outside of school you mm. know, sometimes it's a matter of legality as well mm. anyway <laughs> i don't know where that was going i don't
0: know i think you made a very good point about in terms of like just the recording part mm. because i think now people are starting to realize that it does pay to listen oh
1: yeah
0: it makes a huge difference you can't just rely on text and all and i mm-hmm. think after this after last year the events of last year i now realize how you speak Words at the end of the day will make a huge difference Mm -hmm. to how you perceive a project. There's this TED talk, I've forgotten who it was, I'll put it in the notes later. There was this lady on TED where she talked about languages affect the way we learn. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, Japanese right mm-hmm. there's the term for komorebi and komorebi essentially means the light filtering through the leaves mm-hmm. and that's a really pretty term mm. but we don't have that in English right yeah. it's it's a huge glomp of words meshed together yeah. and even when I'm counting things, I'm either speaking in Cantonese, if not, I'm speaking in Mandarin, right? I too. <laughs> I almost said I would count in Japanese, but no, I talk to myself in Japanese <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's just that I think now the, the next thing in terms of giving feedback is also how do we implement different terms? Because I think sometimes we forget that when we're giving criticism, how... I wonder if it's the way we think also affects the mm. way we give back responses because we can put our cultural background mm. like our and also like perhaps our interaction with our friends from very diverse backgrounds yeah. into the feedback. Whereas for those people who are yet to become worldly, yeah, they the way they present also affects different perceptions as well.
1: Yeah.
0: So then this whole conversation of just getting feedback just becomes really complicated. Oh, 100%.
1: I think, like, last semester, I was working with, I was grouped up with one of my friends Mm -hmm. that I've never, like, had classes with before, Mm -hmm. and it was the same thing. Like, we were on the same wavelength, but because of the way we both communicated and spoke to each other mm. they just weren't intersecting yeah which was really kind of difficult to work with but also really interesting because then mm-hmm. you're you're learning you know a new way of speaking and a new language and sort of like mm-hmm. a different way to approach something but at the same time you've just got a completely different result
0: would you say uh, or, or approach
1: it's, yeah approach mm. to the same task which is kind of scary <laughs> Because, like, I think even in the last hour before we printed, like, I was like, are we doing the same thing? Are we thinking the same thing? (laughs) But in, like, you know, in her mind the entire time, it was, you know, it was very clear.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Because I think sometimes the reason why I have trouble in terms of project is perhaps I'm too scared to speak up. Because conflict is not something I deal very well Mm. with. It's not. It's not. And I don't like tension, because once there is tension, the first thing I do is, I have to dissolve it, so I have to confront the situation and talk mm-hmm. to my friends. And sometimes, the way I word things will not match up to my friend despite we mean the exact same thing, right? Yeah. It is a tricky situation when it comes to, like, communicating on different like levels, despite speaking English at the mm-hmm. same time. And it is very frustrating.
1: Yeah, or they just take your meaning a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And then
0: you're like, that's what, what? I meant. <laughs> mm. And another thing I'm curious to know actually is about like publications. So, architecture magazines mm. like written. Books. One of my favorite series, like architecture series, is the contempt Architecture Contemporary Series. It's right mm. behind me right now. But <laughs> it's a series of books from Japan where one half. Of it like they have one page, it's in Japanese, and then the other page is in English. I know that they've run through all the translations and mm-hmm. that it's gonna be fine, but the way they've written it, does it carry the same poetics and the same atmospheric mm. detailing when it comes to describing in the original language, right?
1: Yeah, it reminds me of um, you know, Ari, mm-hmm. you know, how he's writing a book,
0: Suzuki sensei, yeah. Did- yeah, like he, said um, that. Mm.
1: he was struggling to figure out whether or not he should buy a a dual language one, or if he should just like publish two different ones for the same reason. Because you know, Japanese and English have very different wording and and the length of it to keep them balanced on the same page mm-hmm. is very difficult to find the balance of having you know the yeah. cre- the correct
0: you know mannerisms as well as the language. Of the style in the book it's so true because even just with subtitles right mm-hmm. like just watching shows of subtitles <laughs> like netflix subtitles oh i love you but sometimes you really need to translate the subtext that they put in mm-hmm. in the animes and also all the korean shows yeah. please it makes a huge difference and <sighs> it just takes it's the whole atmosphere of whether you understand it because my friend who watched me watch english subtitles mm-hmm. for a korean show she she saw me laughing she says Sometimes I wonder if English is actually funnier than Chinese because I think, like, Chinese would have been a lot funnier than English. Mm. Here's the thing. She grew up in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. and Canada, but she grew up in Hong Kong most of her life. Mm -hmm. And then I grew up in Australia most of my Mm -hmm. life, so I'm very accustomed to the English way. And the fact that they're able to capture the humor of through languages in our language Mm -hmm. is already really well done oh yeah so it is very hard to understand that type of conversation yeah and how did we get here again i don't know we've been taking so many (laughs) detours today that i don't know what's happening (laughs) but i'm enjoying this very very much (laughs) but then going back to the languages and translation right as Mm -hmm. you said Ari, it's a very good point because one of the books that i really want to read is murakami's The Wind Up Bird Chronicles. Online, I read that when they translated, they had to take away a thousand words. And my friend who read it said, because of that elimination of words, Mm -hmm. he didn't understand some parts of the book. Oh wow! So I'm very curious about it too because I've had a few glimpses of certain books in like translated. So like I've had a glimpse of Hunger Games, but because Mm -hmm. I knew the English version already, I've read it three times, guys. So (sighs) I kind of remember a few of the lines. And so reading it in Chinese. very different because I can't I haven't spoken that language long enough to capture yeah. that sensation or I haven't it yeah. from it anymore so mm. and then it goes back to that meme of saying like you know how people's personality changes when it goes to different languages <laughs> as well yeah i am so i'm a walking example of that you put me with my dad i was speaking to him in cantonese and it sounds like i'm yelling at him all the time oh. but i'm not it's because i have to speak loudly so he can listen i reckon that's the language of just cantonese people they just speak very loudly but we don't that's the thing it really annoyed me when i saw that meme it's like why does cantonese speakers sound like they yell at everybody it's not yeah, so following of that language, um, I learned
1: that, yeah, in Japanese, it's, it's a lot about how you express yourself and less about the words you actually use because mm. you, the word you, can mm. be said
0: in like five different ways. And you don't know which one is the polite one. Exactly. That's the hardest one. I just end up calling people by their names in the end because... But that's what they do. Like, you're meant to be calling people by their names because if you don't call them by their names, it's yeah. already slightly... I know. Less polite? Yeah, but things, it's like, especially with my friends though, sometimes I don't even know what to say. Like, to little kids, it's a little bit easier mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. once, but then when I'm with my friends, okay, one thing. We are really going way sideways oh, yeah, off totally. track. <laughs> So one of the things that I really like about my friends, what they do, is that whenever I make a small mistake, they correctify repeating the same sentence as I just said with the proper grammar. Oh, uh, that's
1: so nice of them, though.
0: It is nice, but I get so embarrassed because the amount of time they have to repeat after me mm. is not the most... It is uh, embarrassing, but I do appreciate what they do for me.
1: Yeah, because they're just trying to help
0: you. Yeah, oh, which is great. It is
1: nice. But yeah, I can I I get what you're
0: saying. It's like if it's someone's there to like correct you like 24/7. Oh you're my gosh! Like, oh. I know it's like oh no. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, so then going back to languages. Now going back to architecture. Now, oh my <laughs> God, what else <laughs> happened today? <laughs> I don't know. It's too humid, I reckon. Let's just blame it on the weather. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Today is just another one of those fun ones, which is always nice. So I think something I'd love to do one day, or I'd love to see, is that getting all of the people we know who speak our language, and then we try and present our project in our language.
1: Our language being... So you speak... We both speak Cantonese, okay, right? Our, our language being... Outside of English. Yeah, so language <laughs> other than English. Oh
0: my god, it is really the humidity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Our Sorry. second language, or like first language.
0: Cantonese is my first language here. Ah. We cannot say English is my first language. Well, see, English is my
1: technically first language. English is my mother tongue. Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> so what I would love to do one day is perhaps how do we design? Because I'm thinking that if we're going to have to present in our in language besides English, right? Does that mean it, it changes the way we have to design our projects? Yes.
1: Mm. I would say yes, because I recently came back from China. Probably, mm-hmm. I was there like in December. Mm-hmm. The primary reason why I was there is because my grandma bought a house. Mm. or I guess it's an apartment over there. And the way that apartments and houses are in China is that you're left, like, you buy the property with a blank slate. Yes,
0: yes. My uncle had the
1: same thing as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, like, you only have
1: the basic concrete walls, you don't have any toilets, you don't have any lighting, you don't have electricity, you don't have kitchens, you don't have anything. Mm. So, you buy that, and then you have to get... you have to get either a design company to do it all for you mm. or you can homeowner builders here. You mm. can renovate yourself by contracting people. Mm. So when I was over there, and maybe this is just me with a design background coming into and trying to speak in a language that I am i don't have like working proficiency speaking. Mm. So I only know casual companies because it's what I speak at home, but it's not my mother tongue mm. um, because I grew up in Australia. Because I had to try to speak in cantonese about all of these technical issues none of that language was going through to my grandparents the same way that it would back here or if they spoke in english because i didn't know i didn't have the language as well as because they're not a design background Mm -hmm. having to explain how spaces come together and where like you know specific walls and cabinets should go Mm. even that Basic, you know what that we would call basic,
0: yeah,
1: was so difficult for them to comprehend.
0: Yeah, actually, now that you've mentioned it, because I had to do something similar when my uncle was just telling me, like he just wanted a quick render of mm. how his apartment was going to mm-hmm. look like, because it's all designed and all. So he yeah. just wanted to see it in three D. Now that all things have been drawn up. So I've applied all the material on door, and the way he's spoken is like the best analogy to put it is that when you tell somebody hang a frame like a picture on the wall, Mm -hmm. it's like move a little bit more to the left, move on to the right, move (laughs) on to the left, like things like that, right? So, Mm. so how was the end result of that? I left before they even
1: started um, negotiating with um, contractors because. Mm. I was only there for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, because it's now Chinese New Year, all of, and previously Western New Year, a lot of the contractors and design companies weren't open for that period because yeah. in Chinese New Year they have a 14 day celebratory period after Chinese New Year, yeah. um, which means that a lot of the companies are closed for that two weeks. Mm. But the way that I had to explain things to my grandparents and my family there was mm. that I had to physically show them mm. how spaces would work. So materiality, I would have to literally pick out floorboards, the mm. the tiles, the bathroom tiles, the wall tiles, yeah. and I'd have to put them together like a materials board and you know tell them how it doesn't work or how it works you know Mm. they don't understand cool tones and warm warm tones and how the kitchen and the living room has to sort of seamlessly match yeah because as you know everyone else sees they and and what we see in a lot of tv shows each room is sort of designed individually which is a way that we as architect or going into architecture we don't really design that way no, it's but it's so, a good yeah.
0: experience and it's a good alternative to designing things. Mm. I think because I think when I struggled with mine, I rather than just going back to sketches, I went back to Lego because I think that oh. was the fastest way for me to figure out the positioning of spaces. Yeah, because it it was it was just designing things in volumes. I back then I was a very, I still am to this day, but I'm very big on function before form oh yeah so i was one of those people who needed to understand there is a reason why you place i know activity a next to mm-hmm. activity b and there's a reason why it needs to face activity a needs to face this certain direction and, such. Yeah. and so lego was the fastest way for me to get a hold of that and my mom on the other hand it's like she understands design terms better mm-hmm. because she had an interest in it so she cultivated that interest mm-hmm. over time whereas my dad who has admitted that he has no spatial vision. So he's very bad when it comes to like visualising things in mm. 3D. Mom had to rearrange furniture to give him a possibility of how place would work. So it's very similar to how you have to do it. And I think it's also because Chinese isn't her strong point as well. She did yeah. grow up in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it is a little bit more of a challenge for her. So it was a very different perspective to mm-hmm. see how she'd explain it to my dad. And it's by just a few facial shifts
1: Mm. it's a language and a skill that not everyone has actually Mm. probably a lot of people don't have because they're not trained for it Mm. um or that they don't have that interest for it because i'm like you know redecorating my house right now and i'm moving a lot of things around for my mom for my family doing a lot of diys i've been like watching a lot of youtube videos of people who are yeah doing like home renovations and what i found really interesting was that one of the channels that i was following they are sort of i would say millennial diy type where they do decorations and they're really good at you know upcycling things but Mm. they've never done full-on renovations before so the way that they actually do it was very similar to the way that your mom does it but taken sort of toward the next step where they would put like drop curtains where the walls are they would take where the, you know, furniture go yeah. in the ground so that you can literally visual- visualize where everything is and what the size of everything
0: is. Yeah, I've done something similar to where I was helping to redefine like, the new fit out for the shop at mm-hmm. uh, my work right we knew that the new place we were going to we're really losing another 20 percent. and so i remember when i first looked at it it was printed on a3 at 1 mm-hmm. to 100 and i was thinking i was talking to my manager and said i am so nervous about this because it's only one chance to get this right mm-hmm. so Bought some chalk, went onto the car park, and we just drew at the floor plan, And that was one of the fastest ways for us to feel a little bit more confident in what mm. we were going to be designing at the end of the day. So ultimately, it's just going back to how do we communicate and then ha- figuring out different methods of communication as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. Which is why, like, interestingly, VR... As a Mm. specialization thing is becoming a trend, I guess. It's a weird trend, but...
0: I personally don't like VR. Because I know it is a digital perspective. Mm-hmm. I feel very uncomfortable that I'm seeing something physical but I can't touch it. So I'm oh. more of a tactile person. I need to experience, like, choosing materiality. Mm-hmm. So I'm a very... You can say I'm a very atmospheric based. Mm-hmm. So I'm more about... I need to be able to understand how do I feel when I touch mm-hmm. the carpet. Or, like, when I touch the walls and yeah. such. Whereas in a digital sphere, because it's also set in a certain scale. Like, mm-hmm. you can do real-life scales. Yeah. But it just... Just knowing that it's digital, there's something that makes you feel very uncomfortable and I don't know why. It's scary as well.
1: Like, even Mm. if you're in a warehouse and it's, Mm. let's say it's like a one-to-one, you're in a warehouse where you can literally walk around. Mm. There's, like, it just puts you in a sense of unease knowing that you can't actually see your act, like, your reality. There's something inhibiting
0: that that is true and I think there was this I've forgotten the architect's name but he did this there was this project where it's a series of doors so you insert these rooms right where you open Mm. the door and it becomes the world you want it to be Mm
1: how can i bring that criticism into like vr and renovation no
0: but it's true you can say that vr is a criticism of renders oh yeah yeah i respect people who do renders really well Mm -hmm. but the thing is sometimes because i have this grudge against renders that i start i find myself trying to nitpick everything
1: do you have a grudge because it's too close to reality or is it because you can't reach reality in the sense that it doesn't feel right
0: it's because it's so close to reality it makes Mm. people impatient
1: oh yeah it also like gives other people and clients more to criticize about your work
0: not saying it's a bad thing like if you don't design it if it's not the way they want it but like as you said like Mm -hmm. gives more opportunity for people to criticize your work but then at the same time it's more like they start nitpicking the wrong things yep
1: yep yep i can 100% agree with that when I was working, because I was since I was working as a student, I was the main renderer, <laughs> mm. um, the main in-house renderer. And the program that we were using, or that I ended up using or getting to know really well, was a rendering program. And I mm. got to a point where I was doing quite realistic renders. Mm. It literally got to the point where my like my directors and architects they were like, "Are we doing too many renders for people? Because they're like, you know, they're nitpicking and criticizing the mm. wrong aspect like they tell us to change one Mm. little thing just to see just for them to see what it looks like and they Mm. don't realize how many man hours actually goes into producing a render and the computers it takes immense oh, yeah. ton computers and it's so yeah. bad and the computing time but then all of a sudden because it's so real they want all these options and they want to see these options they don't just want to give you free reign they're like can we see it in black can we see it in white can we see it in gold can we see it in black and white mm. together like it opens up text a really scary rabbit hole to go into mm. they just want to see everything they want to see all the options they're not safe without seeing it
0: yeah and i i appreciate renders i really do because it's really nice to see like envision your future and, like there's this black mirror episode <laughs> called nose dive where mm. they've taken it to the next level where they do a little projection of what your future looks like in there oh, that's so scary it is scary mm. it's a very relevant episode though mm-hmm. i'm not going to lie it's worth having a watch although black mirror you have to be very brave to confront it because it's literally a very good criticism on oh, yeah. society right yeah. Anyways, going back to the VR. So I do appreciate renders, but I think renders is also a very quick disregard of the architect's hand skills. So I'm slowly... I find myself sad that I'm sometimes forgetting that how to draw the structures and the details properly Mm -hmm. because it's good that you need accuracy because we need to make sure that we're able to build things accurately. Mm -hmm. But we forget the hard work that has landed us here to this day. Yeah, it's a little bit of an easy way out it is it is so i know so i think i talked to danny about it where i said like vr right just as i said i can't spatialize it Mm -hmm. even if it's giving me the space but it still feels very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because i know it's just floating objects and a lot of i don't know vr myself much myself but i do know it is a combination of code a combination Mm -hmm. of modeling and just ensuring your equipment is correct and equipment is very costly as well it's a matter of then for firms that can't afford VR in the future Mm -hmm. in comparison to those firms that don't have it then what becomes of their future as well if they can't afford to do that yeah I think that's probably my comment on the VR situation
1: but I guess the more it becomes accessible the cheaper it does get that's true there there's also that whole thing of supply and demand I'm a little bit on the other spectrum from your point of view because i enjoy vr i enjoy making vr and AI yeah, stuff I know you do. because i'm quite a technical person even like with phd opportunities i'm looking more towards that realm mm-hmm. um, because i know there are opportunities there that being said i do not like the way that VR is currently used in architecture now as a basis of Mm. spatialization of hyper-reality renders. I don't think that's the best way to use it, and I don't think that's how we should be using it.
0: So how would you like it to be used then?
1: I'm not sure. And I think that's sort of a question that I'm trying to figure out myself, Mm. because what then becomes of virtual reality when the term virtual reality itself is literally you know, an alternate to our reality so the best way to use it is to be making that type
0: of i guess VR. so you have you read ready player one by ernest klein yes <laughs> do you think that has taken vr in a good level then i think that
1: could be an extreme reality um, for people see the thing is i don't know what would be best mm. ar as augmented reality which is more there is more what's the word you have to there's ex- more out of it <laughs> oh okay you get more out of it wait mm-hmm.
0: augmented reality does not mean like you put in more senses into it yeah it's like you still see
1: your reality but it's just stuff is on top of it um. oh so like a hologram yeah okay.
0: Okay.
1: For like say like these glasses but then like uh, it's like iron man <laughs> how he he sees
0: things in reality but there's stuff around <laughs> no the thing is i've never watched iron man okay so it's like we're not i'm not the perfect person to use this analogy on okay
1: well basically it's augmented reality compared to virtual reality. Is that augmented reality is in a sense like a hologram, where oh. you you instead of seeing ah. a device, you're you're putting something on the same way you would for virtual reality. But instead of losing all of your senses, you retain your senses, but Mm-mm-mm. you see additional stuff. Yes,
0: yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I know what you, I. Okay, I'm with so it's you like now. A I know what you mean. Makes more yeah. sense now.
1: Yeah. So I think. There is more potential for augmented reality, and I think everyone's kind of thinking this as well. There's more potential for augmented reality than mm. there is virtual reality. Virtual reality would be sort of like Ready Player One, where you're diving deep into
0: the world, the of world Oasis. of Oasis, yeah.
1: um, where everything is digital, everything is virtual. You lose senses of everything in the reality, but with augmented reality there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more you can do with it so you could be playing a game on the side of Mm you know me talking to you Mm. Um, or you could be taking a call or answering a text message and i think there could be a lot more potential in architecture and augmented reality compared to virtual reality because then even if we're using the same applications so say we're renovating your your house your room and you're you're left with the blank slate you can start picturing where the objects go but you're still walking around in your physical space i
0: think that would be really helpful when it comes to like i would say Taking a client on site visit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then putting them in like in that augmented reality, so mm-hmm. AR, and yeah. then say like this is an empty shell, but rest assured that you're going to be expecting like rooms walls mm-hmm. and walls and furniture here, etc., etc. Yeah. Then yes, I would be a better, bigger supporter on that because. Yeah. I still have something tangible within yeah. me, whereas in VR, like uh, I'm still, you're I not think, losing all of your senses. So. Yeah, I think I'm probably one of those more of the old-fashioned <laughs> type mm-hmm. of thing. I because mm-hmm. I'm I did come from a more finance type background. Yeah. So then it's I'm more of that tactile type of yeah. stuff, but it's still open. Yeah. For it.
1: I mean, yeah, and there's always debates between which one's better. Are we going to lose mm-hmm. one thing if we gain another? I don't think we will. It's mm. just going to be an addition. But it just depending on you yeah. know how things are.
0: And I think it will also then draw a, a protection or an arm to how much people can critique mm-hmm. and criticize as well if we're going to oh, yeah. be having that. Yeah. we come a long way, but we've <laughs> managed to close back onto it. But anyhow, just to wrap <laughs> things off for today, yeah. do you have anything else you'd like to add? Mm, not really
1: <laughs> I guess criticism isn't a bad thing no it's not coming from architecture it's it i guess it's healthy for us to have been put through so much harshness and it's sort of given us a little bit of a backbone resilience
0: it and does resilience. Really resilience yeah but
1: it's also a scary thing because since we have such you know strong or Non strong. We don't have as much like negative
0: outputs or yeah. inputs.
1: Yeah, I mean, the word criticism itself isn't like it doesn't have a negative impact on us. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit scary when we talk to other people who don't know the same language that we do, and that's sort of like one thing I'm trying to keep or like keep in mind is that. No one, all of my other friends, have not gone through the same thing I have. And having to sort of like reintegrate, weirdly enough, reintegrate myself back into, you know, normal people. Or how to
0: be honest with each other.
1: Yeah, without being being too (laughs) critical. Yeah, or being Um,
0: too offensive. Yeah, it's a
1: little bit difficult. But I think that is sort of the nature of criticism and, you know, how
0: society views criticism Um, but eh (laughs) yeah it's I think ultimately at the end of the day what helped me overall when it came to criticism was Mm. if they don't know you personally don't take it personal yeah exactly and also if you've been thrown in a pit of crits where you've got one half that gives you good feedback and the other half gives you not Negative. so good feedback <laughs> you have the option of choosing whether you want to take it exactly. or leave it right yeah so i hope for those who have joined us today like just know that criticism isn't as bad as it made out to be you have to learn to work with it ultimately at the end of the the day because if they don't give you something that you want out of it then work with them to understand what they're trying to say as well
1: yeah and don't take it personally Because that's the worst thing you can do. It's not very detrimental. It's not the matter of like, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all, because that's not how we understand criticism to be. It's more about getting feedback and responding to something that ultimately is trying to help you or benefit you. Yeah,
0: we need to grow from it, definitely. Yeah,
1: like we're not just trying to attack.
0: (laughs) Anyhow, that's all we have for today. If you've got any other comments or feedback, Or any other (laughs) topics you'd like to talk about, please give us a comment or at least feel free to reach out. I'm always open to ideas. We're always open to ideas. That's how we grow. And we'll see you for another episode. Bye.